We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I'm going to discuss woke ideology, the definition of what it means to be woke, and how Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, is standing against this by declaring a real woman to be the winner of the women's 500 freestyle. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thanks so much for listening into the show. Thanks for your loyalty, and thanks for letting other people know about The Rebellion as you push the word out there in your social media networks. Please continue to do that. I've asked you several times, but I'm going to ask you again as we start today's show. If you would copy and paste links to your favorite episodes of The Rebellion and post them out there in your Facebook or Parler, MeWe, Gab, Getter, whatever you use, Twitter, etc. If you will do that, it furthers the rebellion. It lets other people know about it. Your friends and your family will join in. So thank you for doing that. Please continue to do so. And if you listen to The Rebellion via Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating so that it will bump our algorithms up and more people will listen in. Thanks so much for your support. Today's topic, as I said in the introduction, is woke ideology or the woke movement or being woke, however you want to refer to it. This is a movement that is confusing to many of us because it, by definition, is intentionally confusing It's intentionally the obfuscation, the twisting of words, the manipulation of words. Even the word itself, woke, is misused because just five minutes ago, in terms of the English language, woke meant what? Past tense. It was, I woke up this morning or I woke up yesterday. It was a reference to, I was sleeping and I woke up. It referred to the past. It referred to an action that took place in the past. I woke up, a reference to the past. This was commonly understood, and that was the way the word was used. And then all of a sudden, we started hearing about being woke, that it's somehow a noun, like your being, your identity, your very uh, core as a human being is wokeness. And that if you are a good person, you are woke. What the heck does this mean? We all started scratching our heads trying to figure this out. Some of us kind of dismissed it as just another crazy bastardization of language coming out of the ivory tower. But we dismiss this to our own demise because this is a very powerful movement. And there's a real ideology behind it that goes back several thousand years, and I'm going to explain that to you by using a biblical reference after we take this break. I'm also going to share with you just a brief story of how Ron DeSantis is standing against this and how he's being maligned as a hater for doing so. He's standing in defense of women 
And now he's being maligned as a bigot, a hater, and somehow anti-woman. Again, the world is upside down because it's woke. I'm going to explain all of this to you and more after we take this break. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. A couple stories here. Um, Let's go to Ron DeSantis first, and then I'm going to shift over to a story from Wellesley College. And this story is told in a book that I'm reading right now that I'm going to recommend to you. The title of the book is Awake, Not Woke, A Christian Response to the Cult of Progressive Ideology by Noelle Mering, M-E-R-I-N-G, Noelle Mering. Again, the title of the book, and I do recommend this. If you follow me on Facebook, I've posted it out there with a couple quotes from the book that are excellent. The title of the book is Awake, Not Woke, A Christian Response to the Cult of Progressive Ideology by Noelle Mering. Excellent book that describes wokeness. She does a great job in the introductory chapters of telling you what this movement is, why it's pervasive throughout all of culture, why it's been around, not just since the advent of Marxism and socialism and communism, but it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis and the story of the Tower of Babel. And frankly, it even goes further back than that. It goes all the way back to the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, which, as I've described many times on this show, is the story of us wanting to rise up and be as God. That's the point. That's the point in that story of the fall of man. God gave us one rule, only one rule. You can do anything you want in the Garden of Eden, but don't eat the fruit of that tree. And what was that tree? It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, why would he not want us to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? The point is clear. God defines good and evil. We do not. And by taking that fruit and eating it, by defying God and saying, we will decide what's good and what's evil. We will define everything. We don't need a higher authority. We don't need God to define things for us. We can define these things ourselves. That was the ultimate sin. That was the denial that God is in charge. And it was the assumption, the presumption that we could rise above God himself. That's indeed what the entire woke movement is about. All of that aside, I'm spending too much time talking about Noel Mehring's book right now when I said I was going to talk about Ron DeSantis first. This week, Ron DeSantis did something that all of us should applaud. It was in response to this incredible, incredible joke of Leah Thomas, a man competing in women's sports and defeating, not just defeating, but crushing the female competition. And I shared this with you in a previous show. Leah Thomas, if you see him standing next to those women that he's competing against and beating, he's 8 to 10, 12 inches taller than these women that he's beating. He has broader shoulders. He has longer arms. He has longer legs. He has the body of a man because he is a man. And he has all of the physical advantages that males have over females in sport. That's why we have two divisions. That's why we have two divisions of athletics in 
collegiate sports. That's why we have two divisions of athletics in Olympic sports. That's why we have two divisions in professional tennis and golf, and the list goes on and on and on. The reason is because of the obvious. Men have a physical advantage over women when it comes to physical competition. And to deny that is to deny reality. And we're denying reality to the extreme that we're actually letting men like Leah Thomas crush women in NCAA competition. And if you question this, you're the bigot, you're the hater, you're phobic, you're a bad person. Well, Ron DeSantis steps into this mess and it actually issues a proclamation yesterday as governor of Florida. The reason he did this was because the person who came in second in the NCAA Women's 500 Freestyle Competition is actually a resident of Florida. Her name is, I'm looking it up right now, Emma Weant, I believe is how you pronounce her last name, Weant. Emma Weant, W-E-Y-A-N-T. She came in second. Well, why is Ron DeSantis even getting involved in this? It's because Emma is a woman. She's a female, and she was beat by Leah Thomas. So Ron DeSantis issued a proclamation, and then he tweeted this out yesterday. Here's his tweet. By allowing men to compete in women's sports, the NCAA is destroying opportunities for women, making a mockery of its championships, and perpetuating a fraud. In Florida, we reject these lies and recognize Sarasota's Emma Weant as the best women's swimmer in the 500-yard freestyle. This was tweeted by Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. Now again, God bless this man and protect him and keep him safe, please. This man is a leader. This man is a conservative. This man has common sense. He believes in human freedom. His reaction to the COVID pandemic was one that was exemplary, that all other conservatives eventually started trying to follow. Again, this man leads while others follow. I'm grateful that other governors such as, oh, governors of states such as uh, Texas and even here in Oklahoma, finally came around and started trying to copy Governor DeSantis, but they should have been leading in the first place. And likewise on this issue, he's leading And I hope other conservative governors, conservative in quotations, follow his lead. Uh, Where are the rest of the governors that say they stand for traditional principles and conservative values, common sense, natural law? Where are the rest of them? Why aren't they leading? Why is DeSantis out there alone? Even Kristi Noem was wrong on this issue of transgender athletics. She caved. Now she's coming around and now she's leading while she follows DeSantis. And here in Oklahoma, why isn't Governor Stitt leading? Why is he waiting? Why is he testing the political winds before he steps forward and says, no, I'm not going to abide by this misogynistic wokeness. It demeans women. It degrades them. It dumbs them down to nothing but a fantasy and a fabrication. It's black-facing women to allow men to dress up and pretend that they're something they're not and to culturally appropriate something that is a female's and a female's alone. Like her bathroom, like her shower, like her scholarship, and like her sport. Why aren't other conservative governors doing what DeSantis has the courage to do? Ah, another show, another time.
So anyway, DeSantis issues this tweet. Good for him. He's standing against this woke ideology, which is the bastardization of words, the complete corruption of definition. It's the original sin. We will be the definers of everything. We need no authority above us to decide what a woman is, what a woman is not, what good is, what good is not, what evil is and what evil is not. And what happens when man assumes that authority is that we reverse everything and we get it upside down. Now, let's go back to Noel Maring's book, Awake, Not Woke, A Christian Response to the Cult of Progressive Ideology. In her book, Noel Maring opens up in her introduction by telling the story of an annual event that takes place in a suburb west of Boston. And it takes place on a college campus every spring. And the college campus, as Noel Maring tells the story, is Wellesley College. Now, you've heard of Wellesley. It's a very prestigious institution that was originally founded as a women's school. It was founded to give women equal opportunity in education, to give women the same type of education as that of men. Now, this is a good and noble cause. Everyone listening to me right now should applaud that. Women should have never been disadvantaged when it came to education. And when Wellesley was founded, it was, it was created to correct that problem. It's become quite progressive and liberal in recent decades. But it still, it still takes pride in its mission to be an institution for women. Well, they have a tradition every spring during commencement. Every spring after commencement, after the ceremony is completed, the students and the faculty and the guests come together to sing America the Beautiful. And here's what happens when they come to the line and crown thy good with brotherhood. No, that's not what they say. Their tradition is when they come to that line, the parents and the guests proceed to sing brotherhood, but all of the graduates and the faculty, all of the women there, shout out sisterhood, and they drown out the word brotherhood that all of the guests and the parents and whatnot sing. Now, what's the point? The point, I guess, is to emphasize that this school is for women, and when they sing America the Beautiful and they conclude and crown the good with brotherhood, they shout out, the graduates shout out, the faculty and the administration shout out sisterhood. And what's their point? Well, their point is pretty clear. They believe the word brotherhood is oppressive. They believe the word brotherhood is exclusive. They don't think that brotherhood, even though when the song was originally penned, brotherhood, just like manhood or mankind, these words were all-inclusive. They weren't intended to exclude females from the body politic, from the entire whole. They were all-inclusive terms. But in modern times, we've lost the meaning of brotherhood, and we think it's a reference to just men. And therefore, the students and the faculty of Wellesley shout out sisterhood to emphasize the fact that their institution exists to educate women. Does that make sense? Well, what's the point in telling this story? Well, interestingly enough, because Wellesley has become a progressive institution, a woke institution, they're now admitting 
biological men at this women's institution. They're admitting trans women. Again, biological men who think or want to pretend that they are women. They're also admitting women who are now claiming to be men. So it's getting confusing right now, right? Is this a university? Is this a college? Is this an institution for women or isn't it? And if it's for women, are you going to admit biological men who are pretending to be women? Or are you going to dismiss women who enrolled as females, but then after enrollment came out of the closet and switched their identity to male, to being a trans man? What are you going to do with all this? Well, it's interesting that in this ceremony that takes place every spring after commencement, it's no longer clear when the students and the faculty shout sisterhood to drown out the word brotherhood because many students who are identifying as trans are shouting out brotherhood because they are women who believe that they're men or at least identify as male. So now you've got this cacophony of shouts of brotherhood and sisterhood and some who are gender fluid are shouting out siblinghood because in any given day they may be brothers or they may be sisters. They may be male or they may be female. So Wellesley College, an institution that was proudly and appropriately established to give women opportunities in education, is now so confused on commencement day that they are demonstrating to the world that they don't even understand the definition of basic terms like brother, sister, sibling, brotherhood, sisterhood, and whatever siblinghood is. It's confusing. It makes no sense. It is like the Tower of Babel. It's like the Tower of Babel, and I'm going to segue to that Old Testament story to make my point on what wokeism is. Noelle Merring, in her book, Awake Not Woke, actually references another book, and it's titled The Beginning of Wisdom by Leon Cass, K-A-S-S. And Cass writes about the breakdown of common language at the Tower of Babel, and he suggests that that's the point of that Old Testament story. Cass says that sharing one language, I'm quoting from his book right now, sharing one language means also a common inner life with simple words accurately conveying the self-same imaginings, passions, and desires of every human being. To be of one language, says Cass, is to be of one mind and heart about the most fundamental things, close quote. Now, Noelle Maring goes on and says this, when our shared language becomes compromised, we lose not only the utility of it, which enables us to convey basic facts about the practical realities of daily life, but also we lose any common and universal meaning toward which our daily lives and our interior lives might point. She then goes on, it does not take much convincing to see that our society as it currently stands is experiencing this crisis of meaning about the ends and purposes, our understanding of which indicates and informs our understanding of everything else. She then says this, we cannot build any tower because we are arguing over the building blocks and the definition of them. She then says this, consider how drastically we've altered 
The meaning and usage of simple words like love, hate, man, woman, and marriage. Consider the new vocabulary that we have introduced to replace such words. Words such as white privilege, intersectionality, cisgender, heteronormativity, and positionality. Words that are difficult to say, let alone understand. She says this, but it is not just the building blocks that are corrupted, meaning the definition of words. It's the purpose of the project that is being obscured entirely. So her point is this. As you look at the Tower of Babel and you look at the reality of what took place there, and I do believe this is a historical story. It's just not a metaphor. It's just not poetry. This story in Genesis is written as an historical account of what man was doing at the time. They had become so arrogant, so confident, their hubris was so thick that they felt they could bring God down to earth. The story of the Tower of Babel is not bringing man up to the heavens, not building a tower that they actually felt would reach heaven. No, they did not think that. They believed that in their superior wisdom, their abilities, their technology, their strength, their power, their wisdom, their knowledge, that they could actually bring God down to their level. Therefore, they built this tower as a symbol of that conquest, that they had beaten God. And because of their arrogance, is it possible that there at the Tower of Babel, that culture had reached such an extreme state of arrogance, of Gnosticism, of special knowledge, that they were starting to dumb down the definition of everything. Like Isaiah says, woe unto him who calls evil good and good evil. Is it possible that at the Tower of Babel, they were so woke that they were starting not only to shake their fist in the face of God and bring him down to their level, even below their level, by putting their foot on the neck of God. But they were doing so by actually redefining everything, bastardizing the very definition of words. Is it possible that God stepped back and let them orchestrate their own downfall, their own demise, their own confusion? because of their inability to even communicate effectively with one another, because they had decided to define everything, and therefore nothing was definable. It was all babble. It was all confusion. Nothing made sense. It was all a cacophony at Wellesley's commencement, where students and faculty and staff are shouting brotherhood, sisterhood, siblinghood, that men are shouting that they're women and women are shouting that they're men. And they're all doing this as they pretend to build this grand and glorious ivory tower, a tower of Babel, if you will, because what they're doing is not pursuing truth any longer because truth doesn't exist. There's no such thing. They've, they've lost any understanding of what's true and false because their language has been corrupted by their woke ideology, by their quest for individuality. Everything is subjective, even the definition of basic words like, I woke up, 
woke doesn't even mean that any longer. Or I'm a woman. A female is not a female any longer. Or I'm a man. A male is not a male any longer. Marriage isn't marriage any longer. Love is now hate, and hate is now love. Inclusion is exclusion, and exclusion is inclusion. They actually say, I can't tolerate the intolerable, which makes them intolerable of their very selves. They saw off the branch upon which they sit, and they don't recognize it. The tower comes tumbling down upon them as they babble meaningless completely meaning, meaningless words. Noel Mehring summarizes the introduction to her book by saying this, Wokeness is not only destructive, but it's incoherent. It is a war of words against the word, with a capital W. It is a revolution which elevates will over reason, the group over the person, and human power over higher authority. What is rejected, reason, the person, and authority, are the three characteristics of the Logos, the Logos himself. The Logos is the mind of God, communicated in the person of Jesus Christ, who is the author of an authority over all. Whether explicitly or not, he is the ultimate target of the woke revolt. It is a revolt against Jesus himself. St. John tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And then he goes on and says this, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten Son of God. God, Jesus Christ, is the Logos, He is the Word. He is definition itself. He is the great I am. He defines himself as I am. I am the definer. I am authority. I am God. You are not. You don't get to decide what is male and female, good and evil. You don't get to decide what's bitter and sweet. I decide, says God, because I am. I am constant, I am authoritative, I am God. I am immutable, my definitions do not change. They are constant. The word never changes. My definition of right and wrong never changes. This is the difference between wokeism and Christianity, a biblical worldview. Noel Mehring summarizes by saying this, Where the very nature of God is ordered, unitive, and generative, the spirit of this counter-movement, wokeism, is at its core the very nature of the devil, chaotic, divisive, and sterile. Wokeism is the antithesis of Christianity. Wokeism is the arrogance of the Tower of Babel. Wokeism is the claim that we can redefine everything in our own image to the point that we can't even communicate with one another any longer, let alone communicate with God. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.